I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hello, everyone. I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today we watched uh, the Netflix, although it also had a a limited theatrical run. It might still be in theaters. I'm not sure. Klaus. Um... It's a um, new, traditionally animated movie from uh, Sergio Pablos, and it um, we watched that. It actually it came out the Friday before. We're watching it. We watched it here on a Sunday. It came out the Friday before on Netflix. Um, What can you clarify to me what you mean by traditionally animated? Uh, It's not three D animation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because like traditional animation, it probably like. That specific term, I think, would specifically refer to how they traditionally did it back in, like, before they used computers. Right. But, like, 2D animation is is sort of, can be somewhat of a misnomer, too. So there's not, like, I don't know. There's not necessarily a perfect way to refer to it, but basically not 3D where they're rigging 3D models. Oh, It's, like, drawn. It's not digitally drawn yeah, or usually now it would be digitally drawn rather wow, than like okay. drawn on paper and stuff. But, but yeah, that makes me even more impressed. Yeah. yeah like yeah, it had wow. a, a unique look. So I'm counting on you to tell me like about little technical details. Cause it was, it was very good. Yeah. Well, I'll hold a lot of that until we get to animation. Sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I loved it. Who wants to give the brief spoiler free plot synopsis? I feel like you did last time. (laughs) Okay, okay. All right, let's try this. Why why not you? I have done it before because you said that at one point, so Uh, I just did it. (laughs) Okay. Um, This is the story of how Jesper, the son, uh, the uh, very rich son of um, the head postman, postmaster general, uh, who is very spoiled and uh, doesn't want to do any work. So in order to kind of shape up his son, his father sends him to be the post postman of Smearsburg, a, an, an island that is... Very far north. Yeah, a, a, a northern island whose inhabitants are in a constant feud with each other. And he has to hit a goal to be able to leave. His goal is sending, what, 6,000 letters within a year? Yeah. Or else he would be, he's going to get kicked out and have no connection to his his uh, family's wealth or any help there. So it is a story about how Jesper tries to uh, meet that goal and... And in the process he meets Klaus, who is is more or less Santa Claus, but it's not, it's not necessarily your typical take on how that... Exactly. Is, how because, he is. <laughs> because it's, it's almost as if Jesper helps... Klaus become who he is and, and in some and ways the person yeah. he can yeah. yes and Klaus helps Jesper become better than he is and yeah yes. become the best version of himself yeah okay. um yeah it's it's fun and I think and I think it has more it has more uh, sardonic humor I guess than you might expect from what is in some ways a Santa origin story yes mm-hmm. it reminded me of a of a like Legend of Sleepy Hollow meets 
Nightmare Before Christmas meets Emperor's New Groove. I don't know. <laughs> mm, yeah, I can I can see the Emperor's New Groove vibe too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, with the main character who yes, sucks. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's uh, talk about um, without spoilers. What was your initial reaction to the movie? Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, the intro of Jesper left me not super impressed, <laughs> but as by the movie or by the character, sure. Uh, but, like, the movie was great. I loved it. Um, I definitely recommend it. I loved it. I loved it, too. And, yeah, it was a little bit slow to fizzle initially, but, again, since Jesper did remind me of, I can't remember his name, but the guy from Emperor's New Groove, I mean, Cusco, reminded me kind of of that. I didn't totally hate him because he has that, you know, annoying, you know, you he's funny and so you can't totally hate him even though you kind of hate him but anyway it was great uh and yeah and i thoroughly enjoyed it and i would definitely recommend it yeah no i loved it too i didn't i didn't know a whole lot about this going in i did watch the trailer which i don't think i ever showed to y'all and i'm fine with that i did watch a trailer um and then like yeah i knew that it was traditional animation based both on the trailer and like that uh sergio pablos was was the one doing it and was invested in um traditional and or he he cared a lot about traditional animation he um actually worked on films like hunchback of notre dame hercules tarzan so like he's got some big disney cred um disney renaissance era cred but he also um was the the writer of sort of the main plot of the original despicable me though he left that gig before minions were brought into um the movie so um but yeah he's he's done he's worked on a lot of stuff but yeah he's also worked on some movies that i love like those disney renaissance films and stuff and he was very interested in in doing more with traditional animation and that was the main thing i knew about it and then that it was a a santa origin story and so i didn't know i was like i i'm sure the animation is going to be good but what am i going to think about the plot and i very much enjoyed it Mm -hmm. um yeah let's um let's get specific so let's start talking about the story and characters without getting into spoilers okay um my first note is on this topic is whale skeleton. Ooh. Yeah, I know that's where it kind of the the Nightmare Before Christmas or or the Legend of Sleepy Hollow vibe. That that's whole, sort of creepiest. That whole yeah. getting there, first coming to the town, walking around the town. I think I oh, thought each man. of the small setup scenes for the town were really oh great. Gosh. Like each of the, the little snippets into their the weird bo- lives. The ladies taking the bodies, going. Shh. What was in what body? It was like a body rolled in a. In a the in a children rug. who were like just putting a bunch of carrots into a snowman, and that one girl who's just like slowly pushing it in while staring at. Yeah, it. yeah. It's great. A lot of great little scenes. Yeah, yeah, they they set it up just like a horror movie for that yeah. first part of the film. Just yes. lots of. Yeah, like that was really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was great. But uh, what was I going to say? Uh, the Adams family. That's what I was going to oh, say. Sure. That little girl reminded me of the Adams yeah, yeah. family. Definitely agree. No, I think one of the girls in particular looked quite a bit like Wednesday. So yeah. Um, other characters. Uh, so yeah, I mentioned earlier, Jesper didn't leave me impressed in the beginning, uh, which I think was purposeful. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, you mentioned uh, that he. Um, it was like Cusco. That's a really good uh, comparison. I was thinking um, with less power, I guess, because yeah. Cusco was 
actually in charge and he's just the son of the dude in charge i was thinking road to el dorado i guess just i got some of those vibes too i actually wrote down (laughs) yes and then uh the teacher miss alva she reminded me of meg from hercules yes which makes sense yeah her 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 whole intro was very fun with how like jaded and spiteful she is and this like schoolhouse is what it's supposed to be but it's just filled with dead fish yes. yeah she's cutting one up <laughs> yes yeah. yes yeah uh, and then what i liked uh character design wise like her eyes are basically kind of telling you what what point she was at in her story mm-hmm. like just kind of done with it eyes compared to her picture because she was yeah. a teacher and she graduated she had like big kind of you know those naive i guess you could say eyes are like very optimistic. Yes. And so then whenever yeah, he looks, he looks at the picture, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's so... like, what happened? Basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she doesn't take well to. No. Uh, but yeah, you, if you watch her eyes, you can kind of see like where her character is at at any point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is great animation. We'll be talking a lot about animation in this. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I liked that the reindeer kept appearing in the woods near Klaus's house. Like a, like, the two times that he went to visit him before they really started talking and stuff. They're just the reindeer out there. And I'm like, mm, you're eventually going to be used in this plot. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I put the birdhouses exclamation mark. I loved the birdhouses. Really yeah. I love the birdhouses. Um, and I, oh, and I put those, these poor kids being forced into the, these petty adults feuding. Yeah. It's just sad. And like, okay. It's obviously super exaggerated, but just, that sort of thing happens in real life of like putting all these expectations of of the way things should be or the the people you should hate just based on the own adults prejudices and it's sad mm-hmm. and kind of when it still had the horror or the legend of sleepy hollow whatever type vibe it, one of the children that was getting reprimanded for not being part of the feud and it, you thought they were dragging the child off to do, I don't know, to show horrible or torture or whatever. But they basically then were a lot of canvases and of of huge battles and yes. and, and scenes and and fights. No, yeah, they even showed that basically that these people have supposedly been fighting. These two families have supposedly been fighting each other all the way back to caveman painting days. Yes, <laughs> and so this is the the crumbs and the Ellenbows. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Couldn't quite hear I can what they were veri- I can verify real quick. Um, in the in general, yeah, Elling bow. Elling, okay. In in the beginning, so he has to travel from uh, the the postmaster school. Which okay, where are all the ladies? There's I no know post ladies. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, he has to travel to uh, Smearsburg, and the landscapes there were gorgeous. Oh, it's so beautiful. It was. It was really pretty. That was a nice just kind of like, look at what we can do. The animation in this is just really good that we can't even just contain it to the animation segment. Sure. Because it's just, because it's, it it's also just because it so intrinsically affects the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, in the horror scene, kind of where you first see that hanging fish, <sighs> they did the, uh, and I don't know what it's called, but the jaw scene where it kind of focuses in on the face while the back gets blurred out yeah there's a specific term yes yes it's a camera movement you zoom and you refocus and so it kind of gives him a fish eye and so they did that not as exaggerated but still very cool like you you could tell and it's it's cool because like this is animation like that's a thing that you can do with the lens and and i think it's sort of tricky to do but that you can do or uh with lenses but this isn't filmed so this is like 
they drew it to simulate this actual camera yeah it's such an iconic scene that it's like it evokes all that emotion yes yes it's very cool Mm -hmm. absolutely I like um so so late so later in the in the film um when they they start um giving presents and the kids start being happier oh it's after the scene where where that kid who like threw a snowball or whatever get he he like is basically like Klaus knows if you've been good or not so think about throwing that snowball in my face <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. don't do that and then all the kids are like oh we have to be good so then the kids start doing nice things around town and then there's sort of a well, montage with their parents well there's a montage of how they start doing stuff for the parents and and it's just stuff that the parents like in general and the parents start slowly changing and my and one of my favorite parts of that whole montage was the passive aggressive berry presence yes <laughs> that was so great it's like your kids okay. pick my berries here's some jam <laughs> oh well you gave me this jam here is a pie or cake or whatever yeah, it's like cake with some berries on top. yeah <laughs> it's like okay we're just gonna passive aggressively give gifts yeah awesome. and then it ended up where they were both going in the same house together yeah they been, yeah so like, they're like they're probably great. like this cake is really good yeah. <laughs> well by the time that she was going in the house they were smiling at each other like they yeah. were friends at that point yeah um, great but yeah, kind of uh, story-wise, what we missed before that uh, oh, sure. is just that um, the postman gets his scheme to get the letters that he needs. Oh yes, by uh, the the kid sending letters to Klaus and the Klaus delivering gifts. So then, as the myth of of uh, Klaus gets developed, you get this. You know, be good or else. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. let's let's talk some more about yeah. just the. The different various ways that they brought in the Santa traditions and like showed um, showed these more overall realistic like ways that these things got put into legend. Yeah, like I'm trying to remember why it had to be at night. I think just because he didn't want to be seen seen or given. Yeah. Or know that it was him. So, yeah, he came to the postmaster. So one sad kid. Uh, lost his drawing and lost the post guy <laughs> Jasper Jasper took it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like trying to extort him to give him money to yeah. send. Yeah, like it fluttered out. Teddy. I think he, I it think the kid just dropped it and it fluttered out in the wind. But then Jasper picked it up and then yeah, like extorting the kid. Yes, yes. <laughs> so he, the kid never got his picture and it got. Uh, Whenever he went to see Klaus, the whole the whole it. intro to Klaus is also framed like a horror movie yes. with Jesper stuck in the the workshop because like some ice fell out the door that got slammed closed by wind. Um, so but he like sees uh, Klaus through the window and he's got like the axe and he's like, oh, God, this guy's huge and has an axe. He's going to murder me. And right. so like the whole scene is framed as this thing. And then he ends up running away and accidentally leaving his bag behind. And then the letter floats out because of magic wind that we'll talk more magic about wind, in spoilers yes. but magic wind comes up a couple times um it flutters over in front of klaus and then he yeah he sees like a sad kid and i think yeah in that scene you see he has toys so he comes back gives a bag and is like okay we're gonna give this kid a toy he sees uh, a sad kid specifically because the the letters are drawing that the kid made, and the kid drew himself in the window looking sad. As a yeah, sad it kid. was so sad. <laughs> yes. And you see, like, Klaus's vision, like, zoom in on that unhappy face. Uh, yes. But in that scene, I want to point out the, there was a box of doll heads <laughs> that was like, 
just key terrifying. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. And then a bug comes out of it just to, it's like icing on Yeah, top. and then he, yeah. like, freaks out and, like, stumbles back into, like, these hanging dolls that all look creepy. Yes, yeah. it's very good. Yes. Um. So, so yeah, they go at night. Uh, in that scene, you see the chimney thing because yes. dogs are chasing after him. So, Klaus kind of, like, hits a catapults him into yeah. the chimney. So, he gets in through the chimney there. Um. I think that's the first kind of... Yeah, that's the first main myth or whatever right right later in the movie the reindeer come into play because they have so many presents that yes. they can't just use one horse so that they... poor little horse <laughs> so so klaus like it puts some uh stuff down for the reindeer and comes and, and the reindeer pull the thing but then they end up being chased by the the villains of the piece that we haven't really talked about a whole lot yes. but then they fly off of a cliff like because they're just it's the momentum and everything. And a kid looks out their window and sees. So that's how the reindeer flying yes. legend comes to be. But they actually just crash to the ground <laughs> very ungracefully. Yes. yes. The reindeer are fine. Don't worry. Yes. Yes. We should talk about those villains, though. We can, uh, if you want more. Well, yeah. You, you asked stuff. about it. There was a bully kid. So he yes. puts the coal in the stocking and oh, yes. giving him a present. And that's why the kid comes back and it's like, hey, what gives? And then he does. Yeah. The, so there you have the naughty, the naughty list comes into play there. Um, also, um, as we said, it starts off with one kid being sad and then Klaus, you know, having the postman deliver a present and then more, you know, the kids hear about it and, you know, that, that kid tells another and then, you know, the whole scheme with the postman to have, to get more letters is teaching the kids you know, telling them that they need to write a letter and they all come with their one penny because that's what it costs for a stamp. For a stamp, yeah. But... So they're doing this every day. It's not like a once a Christmas thing. It's right. like it, they're delivering basically every night. You know, yeah. they get letters from the kids during the day and then they start delivering presents at night. Yeah. Um, I think those are the main things. Near Let's talk end, about the, the villains, though. So, like, there's these two families that are fighting and basically the matriarch and patriarch of of the two clans. Um, there's only one for each. Um hate that when when stuff starts changing and and the other people stop feuding they're like no tradition is that we feud forever um and they ultimately end up like conspiring together to try to they end up working how does he put it he's like so we're uh gonna have like peacefully work together to get rid of the peace (laughs) yeah Um, and there was a line and i think it was klaus that said that's kind of a theme that then builds upon the storyline and the tradition the santa tradition is that one good deed selfless act one selfless act creates another something something to that effect effect. yeah yes and so the wonderful how the story unfolds which is so delightful is that when the children start getting the presents, they start not only wanting to to do when, when they get the naughty list thing, they start doing good things, but they're enjoying it and they're playing together and they're not feuding. They don't care whose family they're a part of. Right. And they, of course, start doing things for their parents and around town. And then again, we, we told like the jam thing where these uh, the ladies are aggressively giving jam back and forth. <laughs> but then that just starts spreading and spreading. And it's just, it's just wonderful how that yeah. unfolds. Did we want to talk some about voice acting? Sure. Uh, my main note here is just that uh, the I don't remember there's the the 
the families they kind of have their own like real close knit posse of the family. Uh-huh. Um, I and think it's like a council, like a high council yeah, situation. something like that. And and in both families, in one family there's a really uh, tall and wide girl, and in the other family there's a really tall and wide guy. Yes. I don't remember what their names are, but there's part where um, the the girl is like in the window with with the patriarch guy and he's like you know what to do and the sound that she makes as she goes backwards into the darkness <laughs> i don't even know how to it was so good and i can't imitate it but it was i was not expecting it and it was amazing <laughs> yes that was definitely a laugh out loud i'm though, not right? even sure who voices her but oh, they did a great job do you remember the director i'm pretty sure oh really voices both of them Sergio? I think so. Let me double check. Nice, nice. Yeah, see if you can double check that. Because, yeah. That was hilarious. The thing that I was looking at for who does the voice work was the limited. The one who played the school teacher. That is Rashida Jones. Ah, uh, yes. What else has she played on? Because she, her voice. Um, she's been on both The her. Office and on. Oh, and who um, was she in Parks The Office? And Parks and Rec is who you would most know her as, probably. She was the friend. The friend on Parks um, and Rec. She was briefly in The Office. She wasn't in all of The Office. But in Parks and Recreation, she was. Is it Leslie Nope, right? Leslie Nope is, is the yeah. Leslie Nope's friend who I can't I can't remember every all the characters' names. Okay. Um but her her kind of I don't know, how would you describe her dorky friend? Yeah, her. Oh, okay. She's been in lots of other stuff okay. too. She's yeah, she's great. But that's who voices. Okay. The uh her name the character's name is Alva. Oh, okay. Well I really liked I just felt all the voices seemed to really fit. Everything from the boatman to the, the boatman is Mo, whose name is Mogens apparently Mogens. is voiced by Norm Macdonald. Do should I know who that is? He's been in lots of oh, stuff. Okay. I don't I just know. Wanna, yeah, I, this is the way you said it. He has a very distinct voice. Yes. He got a with credit, so he's like up there. Like <laughs> the higher well, I I do know also the the patriarch and the matriarch. Actually, the matriarch was was more of the leader of of both. It was well, fun. she was the smart one. The she patriarch the one, yeah. of the, <laughs> the other family was very of the Elling Bows was very stupid. Yes, I yeah. think he was voiced by Will Sasso, and of course, the matriarch was voiced by Joan Cusack. I think yeah, my favorite line was hers, like, "How have we never defeated you?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I and, and I liked I Joan Cusack's performance. And sometimes she really sounded like an old lady, and other times she really sounded like Joan Cusack. Yeah, I agree that I didn't, that, I don't know, I guess I I wish the lady sounded older. Yeah, which it sounded, like, sometimes she did, so it sounds like she can do it, but then other times she just sounds like Joan Cusack. Yeah, yeah. What should I know her from? She's Joan Cusack. I don't know. I know, but I just mean. Look up a picture of Joan Cusack from I know, sorry, sorry. I just, I can picture her. She's been in tons of stuff. Okay, sorry. Yeah, Sergio Pablo's voiced them. Did you find... Oh, he did? Sergio? Yes. Nice. Jen Cusack. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Got it. She's in Got a it. lot of stuff. Um, and then, of course, Klaus is, vo- Klaus is voiced by J.K. Simmons. Yes. He was Mom, very good. I can't with you right now. Please Why? look up a picture of J.K. Simmons. Oh, my gosh. I... See, I'm getting too old, you guys. My, my memory is J.K. Going. Simmons. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. And, and, and I guess... So there is a trend um, that uh, Aladdin more or less started of celebrities voicing, because Oliver and Company was the first one to really do it, but Oliver and Company wasn't super successful. Aladdin was very successful. Uh, We'll eventually see Oliver and Company. Um, I think Oliver and Company wasn't unsuccessful, but it wasn't a huge hit. Like, I think it did 
okay. Um, but then Little Mermaid was actually a huge success. Anyways, Aladdin, Robin Williams really started it because that was hugely successful. Um, and, and basically at this point, a lot of animated movies only have voices done, like uh, the, at least for the main cast, by big name celebrities, which I kind of hate because not all big name celebrities are actually good at voice acting. Yeah. For instance, Joan Cusack, I think, did pretty well overall, but there are probably voices that could have fit better for the character she played. Yes. But anyways, I just wanted to mention that J.K. Simmons is obviously an actor, but also has done a lot of voice work, um, and he's very good at it. Yes. Um, for example, he is Cave Johnson in Portal 2. The, oh. Um, oh, he's wow. Tenzin in The Legend of Korra. Oh, wow. The her her mentor guy, yeah, and uh, Stanford Pines and Gravity Falls. Oh, okay. yeah. So he's done lots of great voice work. He's very good at that. Oh, and Jesper is Jason Schwartzman, who did a great job. Yeah, I think maybe if they change the a bit of the character design of the matriarch of the uh, clan, yeah, because she just looks super old and she often doesn't sound it. Yeah, like I think it was just a little bit of a disconnect between her design and, and her voice. And yeah. again, John Cusack did great overall, but it was just. There was something there that made it a little off for me. Yeah, and I what uh, Norm Macdonald did a good job, but I don't know. It's just his voice is like so. <laughs> I hear his voice, and I'm like, "That's uh, that's that voice." I don't even like. I don't. I don't know Norm Macdonald super well, and and the stuff he's been in. He's just in a ton of stuff. But like, I hear that voice, and I'm like, "There's that guy with that voice." Yeah. Which character? And he, did so he, he, in that sense, sort of took me out of it to an extent okay. because yeah. he's Norm Macdonald. I agree. Um, he did a good job, but yeah, that's just, that can be the peril of casting huge name, big name celebrity actors is that like, of course, I think Norm Macdonald has done a lot of voice Voice acting also, but still. But it's also, but a lot of the time you hear when you're like, it's that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Jason Schwartzman, Rashida Jones, like I, I wasn't thinking about the fact that it was them. Mm -hmm. Like they did good in the roles. And then J.K. Simmons, of course, did too. But I always think that it's J.K. Simmons, but also he just does so much voice acting that I can kind of. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's J.K. Simmons and he's doing a great job. I don't know what the the difference is between J.K. Simmons and Norm MacDonald because I think they both do quite a bit of voice acting, but Norm MacDonald's voice just took me out of it more. Still did a great job, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, anything else that you guys want to talk about with voice acting? Let's go to animation. Oh, I sorry, I did some animation stuff with like that scene and things like that. Oh, you're fine. Like, I have, I have, scene. I have some things. She's showing a lot of notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a Spanish animated film. Um, James Baxter worked on this film. James Baxter. Yeah, he's just a prolific um, animator who is who does very fluid dynamic animation um i don't know how much he worked on it but he worked on it um this film is dedicated to animator and scene checker mary lesher who died on june 2nd 2019 um, of cancer she had worked on klaus as well as other animated features like beauty and the beast and the lion king wow okay yeah yeah well it was absolutely beautiful animation i mean everything Mm -hmm. from this and it's Sorry, I'm you're jumping fine. around in my mind as far as what you're I'm going to say fine. and articulate. But I mean, everything from the snow to the to the wood to the buildings to the colorful some of some of them the dull colors of their clothes, but then the vibrant colors of you know yeah. another group's clothes. So it it was just gorgeous in the way the snow moved, the way the wind moved. The, yeah. the bird houses. I the, liked even the, like in and towards the beginning when the dad's looking out the window and just the reflection in the window yeah. looked really good. Yes. Yeah. There. 
it was interesting that their eyes were always like shiny. Like they always had yes. a shine to their eyes. The lighting was very good. Like in the beginning scene where he was at the school, it was very bright, but then he goes to the island and it's very like hazy and, and darker. Yes. And so like the fog effect was, was really cool. Oh yeah. And the textures on like the boat, on the ice. Amazing. It was gorgeous. Um, yeah, I put that the animation reminds me of Road to El Dorado and Atlantis at times. Um, which is only a compliment because I love what both of those movies. Um, I don't know, especially like the way that um, that uh, Jesper moves and stuff, and like his his hands, his his long fingers, yeah. just makes me kind of think of some of that. Yeah, I don't know. It's I love it. Um, I also I, I thought that throughout the movie they did a really great job with expressive body animation. You know, mm. like facial animation, yes, but also just even the way that characters' bodies moved that just really related their mood and Yeah, everything. like, again, with uh, the teacher and Meg, like, her, like, her hair being kind of loose and, and the movement of it showed a lot of her being, like, like, not frazzled necessarily, but, like, she's just doing this sort of work. Yeah. But not put together in any way. Right, right, this right. this isn't what she wants to do. Right. And well, and two, and also even the proportions and the and the variation of the different the children of the adults. Sometimes the animation reminded me. I, I guess that's what I was thinking of Emperor's New Groove, like the Cusco. Who was the 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 guy that was with the lady that they were trying to get Cusco? Crunk. Crunk. Thank you. Yeah. So you, with the uh, Klaus's uh, proportions, kind of remind me of Crunk. Am I saying that right? In some ways. I mean, I just mean... He's even I, bigger. Yeah, but yeah. Well, yeah. And Krunk, then, I guess Krunk, to me, has more of a triangle body, and Klaus has more of a square. Yeah, that is true. But I, I guess some of those proportions, and then the children, and then the, the difference, even then the proportion, and just the variation of... of Jesper's body type versus others. Some of there the, was there the, was some good variation, families. but not to the extent of say Paranorman, um, which has really varied body types, including for ladies. Whereas both both an important lady who we'll talk about in spoilers and um, and and the what, crap. What is her name? Alva, uh, the teacher. Alva have very thin bodies, um, and that's. Yes. I can get a little tired of that, um, of that the the beautiful women always have to be very thin. Yeah, because even Jesper, he did not have some great physique. Sure, no. So, He's very lanky. Yeah. Um, but also yeah. kind of, you know, a little pot belly stomach or, you know, somewhat. Yeah, but I think we... Um, we need more ladies directing these things. Sergio Pablos did a great job, but he is still a guy and stuff like that shows it. Um, I have... So Polygon uh, did an interview with Sergio, and I have some really interesting stuff that I want to, some quotes from him. Okay. Um, so about uh, about the plot in general, he put, what if all that's good about Santa came through the actions of the worst human being I can, see, I can conceive of, was sort of his thought on, on <laughs> okay. this plot. Um, he, he mentioned at one point that mail serves as a metaphor for communication in the film. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I can see that. The town of Smirenberg, that's Smirenberg without the second S, actually does, well, did exist. In my research, I found a lot of the northernmost human settlements in his. I found a list of the northernmost human settlements in history, and one of them was Smirenberg. It was up in Scandinavia, and I, uh, I think it was in Norway. Um, it used to be a very prosperous whaling post back in the 1600s, and then it just kind of disappeared and huh. Huh. went into legend. Wow. Um, 
so the um, so during the during the film, there's a little girl um, with blonde hair named Margu. Um, we don't actually know how to say the name for sure, but it's spelled Margo with a U at the end instead of an O. Um, and she um, is part. She doesn't speak English. She speaks Sami and lives with a, a, a tribe of of other people. And and so what he says is at one point in the film, he realized that that she and her people shouldn't speak English. They were written in English at first. And I realized, oh, actually, this works so much better if they speak only Sami. So we actually had to go and find a little Sami girl who could perform. And we found Nita Laba um, all the way up in Tromso, Norway. I went up there to record her and my relationship with her was very similar to that with Jesper and Margu because she doesn't speak English. I don't speak Sami. So we had to do this whole recording session through translation and mimicry. Aww. Yeah, yeah. It's very Aww. cute. Very cute. Um, 2D is alive and well in Europe and Japan, I should stay, say. I mean, there are fantastic movies coming out, all of them, and we need those. We need those independent creator-driven products, but that hasn't been a Western high-end broad appeal 2D. There hasn't been a Western high-end broad appeal 2D feature in a long time. Very true. Um, and then, last thing. So we said, okay, let's see what is intrinsic to uh, intrinsically... 2D animation and what elements of it are not really choices, but technical limitations. Mm-hmm. I set out to demolish some of the technical limitations as much as we can because we've had new technology that we haven't tried to use in 2D. So I was like, let's give it a try and see what happens. The goal was to keep all that was great about 2D, but replace what was not necessarily a choice, but a limitation. So it would feel old, but new somehow. The, uh, but there was no attempt ever at making 2D look like 3D. That was never the attempt. The intention was to make this look like a piece of visual development that you uh, would find in an art book for an animated movie, but put it directly onto the screen without getting into the grinder of the usual look. So they had they had texturists and lighting people that were doing volumetric lighting and, and like organic texturing and stuff. They looked great. To apply to the movie. And he said it didn't even take that much longer to do. Yeah. Because um, they were because like, you know, there's a question of like, did this to doing these things that aren't normally done take a whole lot. And he's like, we had to hire some extra people teams to do that, but it didn't actually add a lot of time to it to, to give that look. Well, that's amazing. You know, now that you say that, because parts of it reminded me of Frozen, but I didn't want to say that because I know that's computer and 3D animation. Yeah, and I, I really I mean, like him mentioning amazing. the art book is that, yeah, yes. a lot of times you look, I don't know if you do, Mom, but uh, I, I at least, and, and Valerie's saying, yes, she has. You look at an art book and the coloring and the um and the lighting and the and just how they draw it the concept art the concept art of the concept art is always very different from how it ultimately ends up mm-hmm. and with this it basically the whole movie looks like i would imagine the concept art for it looks like yeah i can definitely see it with klaus especially yeah um but yeah say, saying that that art book thing like really kind of brings brings a point to it that you when you compare those you can you tend to uh you notice that a lot of times they lose a lot from the translation yes but it, it feels like they didn't and sometimes it's not even just necessarily a matter of losing but it just changes a whole lot and Fair. you're kind of like i like how it ended up looking but also i wonder how neat it would have been if it actually looked like this yeah. i actually see it a lot more with video games um as, as i've seen a lot of video game concept art especially for more cartoony stuff and they have this beautiful vibrant yeah um 
concept art that then like has to be translated into like polygons and pixels <laughs> yeah. and the translation is often not very smooth. Yeah, Final Fantasy especially. But you look at that. the concept art for Rayman Origins and Legends and it does look exactly like it because <laughs> those are using 2D stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. What what would the movie have been like if it were live action and do you think you would have enjoyed it as much? No. I, I, I don't want it to be live action. <laughs> I think I it I think it would have been hard to sell the actual emotions and stuff in it because there's such a um, an exaggeration throughout it and basically all of the emotional aspects that would be very hard to buy in live action, I feel. Yeah. Like, I can kind of picture this if it were live action and it doesn't seem appealing to me to watch. Yeah, I think there are certain, like you said, the exaggeration. So, like... The uh, scene with Alva in the fish, like in her fish school, uh, you could just see it's kind of just being overbearing and gross in a live action scene yeah. where they were able to like kind of do the comedy and do the little horror. So like those details would be hard to translate without getting kind of too into the how realistic it is. And it's just like, yeah, I can I can see it being hard to do those sorts of things. I think it'd be harder to like Jesper too. I was going to say I don't think I would like Jesper yeah, in live animation because I think he's, he would just he has such a big face so that he can have these really big emotions. And so even when he's at his worst, in some ways he's endearing because of these just big emotions that he has and you're like I want him to stop being the idiot that he's being. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and yeah, I think it would be a lot harder to buy into him as a character, especially. Yeah, and I don't think I would have really developed such strong um, emotions and affection for Klaus, too. Especially from the very beginning. I don't There's think that would have... subtle, beautiful exactly. animation with his expressions. Exactly, and I don't think that would have, you know, would have been the same in live animation. Oh, certainly wouldn't have been the same. Lost. I think he would have absolutely lost that interpretation and that meaning and, and those nuances. And then you couldn't... It would be a lot harder to do over-the-top moments, like the reindeer going through the sky and stuff like that. Like uh, Klaus catapulting him just start right into the chimney like yes. how do you do that how, how does that translate yeah a lot of those comedic elements would be very hard to try to do in live action and probably just wouldn't be done in a lot of the cases yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah no please don't ever make yeah, live I, action I th- please no i think that i think this is a live action movie would be a lot less believable and feel a lot more saturn and and boring yeah. than it does with the kind of sharp quick-witted animation yeah 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 some of the um mystical type elements would be harder to get across without like you said yes that's kind of cheesy yeah definitely um anything any other big notes y'all had on animation it's okay if we mention animation more in the future but um otherwise we can go on to sound design sure okay i have one big muse uh but one big note for sound design, and that is not a huge fan of the pop music. Yeah, it was a little odd. It went, like, three times? Yeah, I think so. Um, there was... Uh, you have it the, written? Well, the, the second time, I forget what the first time was, but the kind of How Do You Like Me Now type music. I don't know if it was that song, but it made me think of that song. I think the first time was when the kids, when the montage with the kids doing stuff around town. And I forget the song for that one. It was even cheesier. Um, <laughs> no, the pop music. It was like three times that. And then, and then the other, and then the third time was definitely the the emotional stuff with yeah, which arguably worked the best. But like the thing, 
I forget who said it and where, and I'm not going to say it exactly the same, but like the thing with putting a pop music song into a movie is that you could stick basically any song that like has the same general vibe and is a pop song and it wouldn't make a difference because the pop songs aren't about the emotionality of the thing so much as they're like the sound of this thing. And oftentimes, especially when it's stuff that is very well known is like your memory of this thing and whatever associations you have with that piece of music. Yeah. I think, uh, in, in what is it called? Invisible. The, the one that plays in the third thing. And then in the credits, I think was either made for the movie or was, was a little more, you it's a, it's it's a pop song. Um, it's actually by Swedish singer and songwriter Zara Larsson, um, and that one, that one might possibly have been a little more tailored to this, but I don't know. But regardless, like you can just take them out and replace them with anything that sounds vaguely like it, and it serves the same musical function because the lyrics and the musicality of the song are not really the point of it. Yeah, um, and that just always kind of makes it weak, especially compared to a musical where you can't just willy-nilly replace a musical song. Sure. Um, and that is um, that is a thing that's that I know some critics on YouTube and stuff have uh, used to say why they don't like the Phil Collins music and Tarzan as much as all of the Renaissance films before that that actually were musicals. Yeah. Because they don't feel as personal and they can be replaced easily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think that was probably the film's biggest flaw was that the use of pop music just didn't work for me. I didn't, I didn't like it very much ever. Um, and even when it worked at its best, I don't know. What did you think? Nothing. I mean, I didn't recognize per se. I don't really remember what pieces, but there was. That first one was something really like yeah. you definitely had to recognize that first one, but I can't even remember what it is right now. <laughs> yeah, I just mean it could have been stronger because there was nothing memorable. There was nothing yes. like, oh wow, you know, or that just really enhanced, you know, my emotions in that area. You know, yeah. nothing like that happened. Um, I think the the music composed by Alfonso Aguiar. Um, I think that sound. I think that sounded great. There wasn't ever necessarily a moment where I really noticed it and was like, oh, that's so good. But it 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 was. It was good. Like it fit Mm. everything very well. And I was the main time that I noticed it was when its absence was felt because pop songs were being used. I would, Um, I would agree. Yeah. Um, let's go to the part that our podcast is named after. How's it hold up? I have two notes here and actually another note that's going to be in spoilers, but, um, overall, not a lot to complain about. The main thing was lines that Je- that Jesper said, specifically the thing where he said something about not a symptom of symptom of any mental illness, which is not a cool joke to make. And no offense, someone could use a little diet cleanse, yeah. which thanks for the fat jokes. Sure. Mm-hmm. I wasn't totally sure what to think of the big family members either throughout the movie. They, Overall, yeah, I liked them, some. but they I, to me, I, it, it felt like their size was definitely part of yeah, They're comedic. Exactly. Well, I think what what bothered me slightly is is feeling like it's playing into a trope that that you're you're dumb, fat, you know, yeah. unattractive type thing. And I'm like, okay, couldn't we have, especially since the the patriarch is some kind of 
you know, skinny crotchy. It almost remind me of what are the um the matriarch the painting the well no yeah the matriarch did I say the patriarch's before? got a belly. Well, the patriarch yeah has a belly. I meant the matriarch. Yeah. What is the old um oh the the man and the woman uh, farmers with the pitchfork? <laughs> I don't know, yeah. but yes, um, I know you the know, painting. American Gothic. I'm pretty yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, so in some ways you could have played in and as well as the horror vibe, but kind of played into that, which they did with the man of the first child, the child who got the first gift, which was this darling. Oh yeah. That really tall lanky guy. The tall lanky guy reminded me of, you know, whatever. And, and, and the, the, the matriarch of all of that one big clan reminded me they could be a perfect match kind of, as far as they both had that lanky uh, Gothic look. Yeah, no, they definitely with, um, the I, I keep forgetting their name, but the the other um, feuding family, uh, a lot of their character design seems to be that they're big and fat and also very dumb. And those things are inherently related in how their characters are designed. Ma and Paul Kettle, I think that's what that... Maybe. What they're supposed to be. I don't know. <laughs> Showing right there. Ma and Paul I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure anyway. Curse the Cowardly Dog parodied <laughs> that picture at one point with Hustis and Muriel. Oh, okay. Got it. Actually, Valerie pointed out something very good, the sexism as far as there were no female postal workers. Right. And so some of the... Yeah. yeah. And, and then, too, is the, the traditional woman school teacher type thing. Of so course. in that sense, I feel like it paid in, you know, played into this the, the isms with stereotypical jobs. What's a man's job? What's a woman's job? The, sure. Yeah, that that there was a, a line that Jesper said something like, uh, "Of course she fell in love with me, or of course she loves me," uh, and uh, and that kind of uh, story shortcut is annoying. But his follow up felt very him, where he was like, "How could she not?" or something like that. Right. It just felt very more ego driven than yes. chauvinist necessarily. Yeah, it it felt like him, but. Uh, but the kind of like Avril Lavigne, he was a boy, she was a girl. Uh, uh, can I make it any more, any more obvious? I can't just... listen to Skater Boy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 shortcut's very annoying and makes any emotions that come out of a love story just very shallow. Yeah, when I think you don't do anything to mm-hmm. to support it, and you're just like, here's a boy, here's a girl, like, and then at the end, of course, they're gonna kiss. Or whatever. It did feel like overall this movie supported it at least though. Like yes. I did believe that the reasons that they grew to like each other and all that. Yes. But but yes, I 100% agree that that is a problem in a whole lot of things and just that sort of. That's why I can't get into straight romance in a lot of media because I'll, I'll I like think that oh, I just hate it in general, but then I'll see a thing that does do it good. And I'm like, oh no, it's just that it's written terribly most yeah, of the time. So many shortcuts of like, you just know that they're going to be together. So we don't have to put effort or we can show that they basically hate each other, but you can still somehow believe that they would be together because they're the two, uh, the male and female lead. Like it's just obnoxious. Yeah. Agreed. But you know. Yeah. But otherwise it wasn't a lot that was, off-putting like it was it was a great movie all right well let's uh go to our spoiler section with our spoiler alert skip to one hour one minute and 20 seconds 
So Lydia's the magic wind, right? Yes, of yeah. course. <laughs> so uh, Klaus has a tragic backstory. Oh, of, TM, yes. Yes. Uh, Klaus has a tragic backstory of um, he had a wife, I think wife. Did they yeah. say if they were married? Wife, yeah. He had a wife. Um, and they wanted to have kids, lots of kids. Um, but <laughs> they they couldn't. Um, he doesn't say specifically. But yeah, it seems like that just wasn't happening for whatever reason. Um they tried, but it wasn't happening. And each year, he, he I mean, he and kept, he making, kept toys, making toys for toys. these babies that, that he hoped someday, that they both hoped someday would come. But they didn't. And then, of course, eventually she got sick, which is all that he says. Because yes. that's, you know, plot shorthand of and then she died. Yes. Um, but she she basically is, is ins- almost said, but it's like... So in his, because it's insinuated so heavily, but like she is the magic wind that keeps kind of directing Klaus to to make the decisions. Like, not that he wouldn't make any good decisions without that, but the wind kind of pushes him along when he needs it. Yeah, yeah. And she, okay, he made all of these toys, and that's why they started delivering toys to children because he had a workshop just filled with just hundreds of toys that he had made over the years. But his wife that he lost also loved birdhouses. And so he made, most recently, he just kept making more and more birdhouses. Yes. So that's where that came into play is because then there were some leaves on the ground and they would swirl around and swirl around the birdhouses that she loved. Yes, yes. Um... Oh, this isn't necessarily a spoiler. I just kind of, like, saw that Lydia and then, like, did all the stuff after that. Uh, the whalebone Christmas tree is rad as hell. Oh, yeah. yeah. They had a really oh, That was so cool. Yeah, that was great. Um, Margot is adorable. Oh, my and gosh. I love her so, so much. wonderful. Oh, my gosh. Precious. Well, I mean, the big spoiler. Well, no, again, I pulled past when, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the big... Yeah, do you yeah, want to go so, into... Yeah, so, like, he... Uh, Jesper gets the letters that he needs to to leave because the evil people. Yes, in, in an effort to kind of stop the the uh, everyone getting along. Yes, they they want to take him out of <laughs> the flouting of tradition. Sure, they want to take him out of the picture, so they they give him they send enough letters to get him to meet his goal, so that he can leave. And his father comes, and they're going to leave, but of course he's sad. Oh, oh, and his father comes while. They are getting ready for Christmas. Yes. So all the seeds. Oh, we didn't even really talk about. He makes the plan that they're going to do a whole bunch of presents That's at true. Christmas. Yeah, that because Christmas exists without Santa Claus at this point. Yes. In this universe. Well, and also they've run out of toys because they right. they've gone through all of these toys that Klaus. Oh yeah, had we didn't. Made. So we didn't even talk about. Uh, uh, Margot keeps showing up at the post office, but doesn't have any money um, and doesn't speak, speak English. Um, but eventually her and 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 Jesper uh, go to Alba. B- well, they bond yes. because he's getting uh, annoyed with things and he basically just talks to her about his problems and she and, he, and she's, he's like, you're a very good listener. And then she chatters away at him and, and he can't understand it. But um, eventually he and, and Klaus make her a little boat and give that as a gift. So then um, her her kind and her so, her and the and the Sami people, they live in little tents out on the ice or whatever. And they come and help cr- and help fix up the um workshop workshop and they help make toys and stuff like that in preparation yes. for 
the whole Christmas thing. Yeah, this was after the tragic backstory. Yes. That's yeah, the and, and the conflict happens where yes. he yeah. reveals the this this piece that he was making for his family that yes. didn't, didn't get finished. And Christmas was actually a last ditch effort on on Jesper's part because he wanted to uh, he needed a couple more thousand letters and so when they he realized they were all out of toys he figured for Christmas they could just do all the toys and have a big Christmas thing yeah and then he'd meet his goal with the letters right right but but yeah so the the dad shows up in front of um also also the all the Klaus yeah people yeah um and and it's basically and the and the villains are like yeah he did such a great job he talked up to these kids uh, then basically like sort of revealing the reason that jesper was originally doing any of this um which is is, you know the 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 betrayal thing that you have to have at some point when the core of your movie hinges on the relationship between two characters there has to be the betrayal towards the end um for them to overcome um but yeah, so he ends up going with the dad at first, and yes. And the funny thing is because all the, what the villains and and what they're accusing him of, which is hilarious, is the whole reason that the school teacher Alva started teaching again is because all of the children wanted to be able to write letters to get toys, but they didn't know how to write. Yeah, and so, there was like orphan children and stuff. It seemed like. Because they said that they said that they didn't have parents. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, (laughs) some of the okay, the ones that first showed up, first showed up. Oh, okay, and then none of the children had been get been getting educated because none of them went to school because their families families all they did was fighting, and so there was there was no need. So when they were saying all these terrible things that he had done, basically, is he caught everyone, got kids to school, got you know you know taught them how to you know write and it was hilarious all the things that well that's not the arguments they make towards the dad of course but that is why they're upset exactly. and then they basically hatch a plot to finish out to get him past six thousand. and so yes. they write they wrote so a whole bunch of him. letters and 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 threw it onto the boat and then like wrote the dad about hey look how many he's done he's good now you can take him yep yep mm-hmm um, so he goes with the dad, but then the dad sees that he sat on the boat and then he ends up staying. Yes. And so then he has to kind of redeem himself. There's uh, a whole chase scene. Yes. But he wasn't a part of the plan. So there didn't need to be a chase scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, There's basically a decoy sled with a whole bunch of presents. Um, because they heard about, because they heard about from the kids who heard their families plotting that they were going to try to get rid of the presents. So. Yeah, yes. um, but the point of it is that he ends up proving himself of like he does care and wants to stay in hope. Yes. But I was also really scared for before when when you find out that Jesper stays and he's sitting on the dock. I was so worried about little Mag- wait. How do you say her Margo? name? Margot. Ma- yeah, Margot. Um, because she's trying to catch up on her little kind of sled boat, and I'm afraid that she was going to go into the water or something. She was so sad in my heart. I know, and I thought she was going to try to go in the water or something to go after him, because the boat is then in a distance. But she didn't, fortunately. But she didn't, fortunately. And he was just sitting on the dock. And he was just sitting on the dock. She is so precious. Yes. yes. So, and in that, uh, the scene after the chase, uh, the uh, two children of the... Matriarch and Patriarch, apparently Pumpkin and Olaf, okay. uh, get together. Yes, because she, like, her. falls, she's, like, the ice, like, cracks, and she's gonna fall off the cliff, and he saves her. And then when we see them again, she's carrying him. 
Yes. Because yes. she's the slightly bigger of the two. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, he looked very happy. Yeah, the, <laughs> they, they end up getting married and, and put in scenes a little bit later. And, yes. and like when they get into the thing, the horse struggles to pull them because we still have to make fat jokes. Girl. Uh, one mm. cool thing about uh, that whenever he saves her is I think they do the the thing with the lighting behind the ears, which yeah. is always nice where you can see his ears are like are a lighter flesh tone. Yes. Yes. Because the lights going through it. It's that organic lighting stuff. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's where they carry on with the theme that one good deed or one good turn, you know, yeah. creates another act. because yeah, then they have the, the feuding, matriarch and patriarch yeah because because the notice. guy one saved the girl one i've already forgot their names pumpkin like that was yeah, yeah. <laughs> because olaf saved pumpkin that that now she wants to be with him and that's sort of like a, yes. like now they're interested yeah. in each other or whatever my last note for spoilers is why'd they have to make me cry again at the end oh, oh damn who wants oh, to talk about the end no no i'll oh. cry well okay so klaus you'll cry um, it, 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 i know i'm gonna I, I i probably will um they talk about that the, this tradition then it became so popular and all over the world that obviously they went to once a year at christmas but that this continued for 12 years and then you see um you see Klaus come, he's in the woods and he's and he talking. he looks noticeably older. He looks... Good yeah, animation there. Absolutely. And he, and he is kind of in the same scene where... Chopping wood. Chopping wood out in, in the woods. And he's looking up at the beautiful birdhouses and the, the magic wind comes up again. And he says, I'm going to be joining you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on my way, honey. And so the magic wind just kind of starts leading him. Another beautiful job with animation starts leading him to kind of walk into the trees and into this magical wind. And then he just kind of disappears. As he like passes behind a tree, like then no, no foot goes past it kind of thing. We're all, we're all like tearing up again. And then, and then Jesper goes, of course, looking for him and he can't find him anywhere. Um, Oh, sorry. <laughs> I can't find him anywhere. And so then it goes to Christmas Eve. And, and so you don't really know what's going to happen. And you see this wonderful family scene with Jesper and his Alva, his Alva who were married. And they have two children. And it's really cute dialogue. Oh, and dialogue. when he's looking, you you see uh, Margo has, has grown up some because it's been 12 years. Oh, that's years. right. Because yeah. he went and, and went to ask them if they had yeah, seen yeah. Klaus. And, and, and she, yeah, she looks wonderful. Yeah, but she adorable. and her family, they don't know where Klaus is either and so now you have this endearing scene with jesper and i can't i keep forgetting alpha, alpha. uh and their two children and it's so cute about like delivering postage and <laughs> however he was saying that with kissing them good night yes, it was like just... they're sealed as he's uh tucking them in he's yes. like oh yeah packages are sealed and he's like and now like postage and he kisses them from yes. the it was so cute and then he sits down and again, you you think, well, again, it's Christmas time, and they're showing that with a Christmas tree, and they're showing that with a candle, and you even see the passage of time because he has uh, a candle in in kind of the old traditional candle holder that's sitting on the window sill, and then that candle starts, you know, having melted, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's you hear the the jingling sound of the the reindeer. He's got like some inner narration going on. Yeah, going on. And he said, but you know, he, he's, he's never missed a year. And, and he said, and I can't, and I love it because somehow he says it's because I get to see my friend. Yeah. He's basically, I'm not even totally sure like what, how, what happened 
with him and what like he's basically like maybe magical stuff i don't know what's happening more or less and then yeah but like, he says but I get once to a see year i get friend. to see my get friend, see my friend. <laughs> and then it ends yeah <laughs> we're all crying again so it's a lot it's like it's just it's just a beautiful story yeah it, it is, really tug at your heartstrings there at the end um well yeah and i i think it's interesting the only explicitly more or less magical thing is the is the wind and then like that end thing is kind of kept a little is kept very vague as to like how he sees his friend again like yeah. if he if it's more metaphorical if it's more literal what have you like yeah it's it's kept ambiguous so you can kind of read into it whatever you want i think it would be very difficult to make a sequel to this because then you'd have to uh remove that vague ending yeah <laughs> so yeah. Um, any other spoiler things we want to mention before we move on? All right. Well, that's it for spoilers. So um, now let's start talking about favorites and least favorites. Or actually, as it's more accurate, least favorites and favorites, because I'd like to end on the more positive <laughs> thing. Um, so let's talk about your least favorite and your favorite scene in the movie. Who would like to go first? I think my least favorite scene was when the the bully kind of kid that came and they were at the i think they were at the post office a lot of the children were around the sure. post office he was helping them write you know seal their letters sure, sure, sure. and then this bully kid comes up you know and saying hey how come i got you know coal in my stocking and and just that kind of confrontation that went back and forth and him going over there and just even the transformation in the kid's face and i guess the reason that it was my least favorite scene is i never got to see if that that kid redeemed himself. I know, right? So I don't know. I don't think we if see that just, kid again. If he just stayed a bully, you know, or kind of need kid. That scene reminded me of Jurassic Park, where Dr. Grant is terrorizing that little kid about how his stomach will be ripped open by a velociraptor oh, or whatever. Oh, yes. okay. it, made, it made me think of that. Okay. <laughs> just being mean to a kid unnecessarily. <laughs> this kid maybe sort of deserved, I think it would have, I think the scene would have worked the scene works less in retrospect because, yeah, I don't think we see that kid again. Yeah, or at least yeah. at least it doesn't. Maybe himself. he's in the background of a scene, but they never, like, make sure that we see what does or doesn't happen with that kid. Yeah. So it, there's not payoff. To I guess it. that scene is the payoff for when he's a jerk in the first one. But, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. So for uh, you know a myriad of reasons, that I like the most, scene still overall. Was, but yeah, yeah, I, I mean, to, yeah, and I, like I understand that, why that, you don't. Yeah I, yeah, I didn't enjoy that part. And then I think, kind of maybe it's the teacher in me, but <laughs> one of my favorite scenes was the the initial transformation with um, Lily. No, am I saying that? No. What is the teacher's name? Alva. I, I don't know why I can't remember that. Hey, <laughs> okay, Alva. So sorry. Poor Alva. All right. I got to keep saying her name so I remember. Alva, no. anyway, Alva, 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 Alva. <laughs> cut that again, Maggie. Alva. <laughs> let's not, let's not know. But anyway, Alva is in her schoolhouse that has all these horrible fish heads and, and on every shelf and everywhere. And all these kids are in her classroom and she's like, <laughs> what are you doing here? And they're like, we want to learn. You know, we want to, you know, we want you to, she's like, you know, kind of like, what the, you know, don't, don't you come in. And finally she's like, will you go away if I teach you something? They're like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they're like, yeah. But then, once the one girl learns her name and is so thrilled, then the others want to all learn how to write their name. And, and, and like and Valerie so, mentioned with her eyes, her exactly. eyes Exactly. And she yeah. starts coming from this almost like wild looking creature as she's been like living in her fish <laughs> fish house to all of a sudden, you know, that like, what? 
It's like, oh, oh wait. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, it's at a... once I had joy in my life. Exactly. So I just I just loved that. I, I that was so great. How about you, babe? Oh, I don't know. You next. My <laughs> least favorite was when the villains are in front of Jesper's like how many letters he's gotten thing uh-huh. and and they're being all villainous and then the <sighs> patriarch ruins the mood by asking who. And I just I don't know, I get Marvel movies especially like to do it, but I get annoyed when the movie feels a need to ruin the mood of a thing to make a like joke instead. Sure. And it's like in some stuff that's appropriate, but it's like I don't know, I guess ultimately it didn't want you to take these villains that seriously, but it's still let them have the little bit of menace. It's just, <laughs> it just wasn't interesting to me and just annoying more than anything. I didn't, it, I liked the joke later where she's like, if you say who, but I didn't like the actual first instance of it. Mm. Uh, my favorite um, was probably the intro to Smearinsburg. Um I just, it was done so well, so moody and creepy, but then also like um, darkly comedic with these different little scenes of these women with, holding this body i assume and the kids and just all of that like yeah i really enjoyed that scene it was it really i was already in the movie but it really pulled me in there was like because i I guess part of what i heard and from seeing the trailer was that you know he goes he ends up in, in a town and they're all mean and i'm like that sounds boring but then like seeing it actually in motion and like how they're actually like oh okay they're like kind of terrifying and and like <laughs> weird also like i don't know it was interesting i, yeah. I like that a lot i like the whole movie a whole lot but yeah that scene i guess is what like especially brought me into the whole concept of the movie um i don't know there's not much that i didn't like i guess it's fair i guess the 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 scene that had when they started playing the how do you like me now song <laughs> kind of just like uh put me off a little bit because yeah at that point that song it's like oh you're going with this song Okay. Yeah, like all of the scenes that use pop music would have arguably been much better without pop music. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's it's hard to say anything was, like, terrible. Sure. I, I don't think any, anything was terrible. No, me neither. Um, it took me a long time to think of it. And I know. Well, what I ultimately just... came up with was a very short scene <laughs> and basically a line. Same so. with me, with the, with the boy, but, yeah. you know, I just, because, yeah. And uh, favorite, I don't know, I liked a lot of the things that they did. Uh, with the framing and stuff like that. So, like, the the Jaws thing that I pointed out before, I really like that. In general, they're uh, showing a precariousness of situations where he's, like, looking down and you kind of maybe see a vertigo type effect. Um, so, so those, those sorts of things, I sure. guess. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, how about characters? Least favorite character, babe? I didn't like the... Uh, the the boat guy was probably my least, I guess. Oh yeah. I don't know. I guess his function was uh, he uh, he was a, a a joker, I guess type character. Yeah. But otherwise, uh, he didn't serve a ton. Not the Joker, just a Joker. A jo- <laughs> just yeah. clarify, clarifying more for the audience. Yeah. Well, no, like that's an archetype, right? Is it Joker or Jester? No, you're or right. Trickster? I just want to clarify: we're not talking about Batman's the Joker. <laughs> for people who might make that sure. assumption. Trickster. That's, I think, the archetype. Sure. So he's like a trickster type character, but um, he didn't do too much for me. uh, His main function was in the beginning and the intro into Smearinsburg of just setting him up to 
to find out all this stuff about the town yeah. and especially getting him to ring the bell that started the fighting and stuff like that. Yeah. And then uh, after, after that, his purpose, he didn't really have a pumpus, a purpose. Yeah. He was just kind of obnoxious towards them sometimes. Yeah. yeah. He was not my least favorite, but he's down there. Uh, favorite. It's hard to say. Klaus is up there. Uh, Margo's up there. She's so cute. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah, there's there's a it was a good movie that it's it's hard to to choose a favorite. How about you, Mom? Gosh, least uh, favorite first. I know. I'm I'm just trying. To, I I think I I don't want to be a copycat, but I think I would just have to say the boatman because otherwise I feel like I'm picking on the the bully boy. But he didn't. Have, <laughs> you know, he was. I guess technically he was a little bit lower than the boatman, just because again I never got to see him develop in his character. Did he just always? Well, stay I'll like submit that? for you my least favorite character, and you can decide if since you're a little undecided, uh, Mister Ellingbow is my least favorite, the patriarch. Okay, well, you know, he's I can see just, that. Yeah, he's. Just just dumb and he's just annoying and i don't i just don't enjoy him very much Fair. yeah 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 i guess i think he would be even lower than the boatman for me yeah i think he's my bottom and boatman's yeah. not too far above that yeah, who's your favorite I think, then i would say well, my favorite is kind of a tie between uh klaus and little um margo, margo. Margo. I put I would die for Margo as my favorite. <laughs> oh, and they when she's going on her little sled thing when they get it in the morning. I love her oh, so much. So cute. She just it's like with her like oval nose and her buck teeth. I just love her. Yeah. So precious. Well, she's sitting at the table when they first teach her how to, or trying to figure out what she's saying. Yes, yes. And when they're all sitting at the little table, and again with that backlighting, and, and as if you're looking in through the window yes. at them. Oh, she it's very good. Such, she just has such an infectious smile, and she's so precious. Oh my gosh. What character would Tim Curry it's, have played wait, if he were in the movie? I oh. said I would die for Margo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what character would Tim Curry have played if he were in the movie? He would have made a better boatman. He would have made oh, it because I thought it, good, I thought that too. That's who I thought because again he did such again to me the best depiction ever of Long John Silver. I love you, Tim Curry. Best depiction ever. I think so it would have. I think it would have made all of yeah, his it his made it, snide stuff. Like it would have. I feel like it would have worked better. It yeah. would have totally. Uh, even was, if if he had even voiced it, I mean, I think yeah. he would have that emotion. All of that would have exactly come perfectly. Just, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say pumpkin and Olaf. I also like. I also thought of that and do like that. Yeah, just kind of <laughs> like that. they like don't say it. a whole lot. But uh, what what was that voice that she did though? That was funny. God, yeah, but that's the only negative. Is what if he didn't do that exact thing? Because that exact thing was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he just like makes. I don't even know. And I don't she know. Just like slides. It's to the so background. good. Yeah. So that would. Mind. Yeah, I guess answering this question without com- com- comedic things is, I think he would have done really well as the boatman and would have made me like the boat i i'm sorry norm mcdonald you did a fine job it was, i just it was fine. yeah i just i yeah. think tim curry would have probably suited the role a bit exactly better. i think so um for comedic purposes just like um any of the children <laughs> <laughs> um or the actually uh i mean you did fine, Joan Cusack, but <laughs> can I mean? I, I was gonna say maybe the he's dad played or an old lady in uh, the Over the Garden Wall. Okay. Auntie Whispers. Okay, okay. Imagine Auntie Whispers' voice as mm. is that better or worse than Joan Cusack's? I don't know. That's a thought. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think it could at least compete. Okay, that's yeah. Fair. I love you, Tim Curry. <laughs> 
Um, all right, well, let's go on to our overall consensus then. Who wants to try to give a rating to this thing first? Oh, we didn't have any final things. I had a couple of notes. Sure, go for it. Uh, there was a solid butt joke in there. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. oh, oh, yeah. Oh, Whenever yes. they were yes, uh, yes. showing the history of the town, yes. there was a little mural of like the great mooning of something. I love like, that. Little houses, and then out came people mooning each other. That was really funny. So immature, and I loved it. It was very good. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, Shrek. Way better than your mooning joke. It was just. On a second. It was good. Oh, honey, I know something. Before we do final thoughts. That we were going to explain why we are using Tim Curry. What were we going to say? Oh, yeah. Explain for us then. Okay. Because DJ, she's such a wonderful daughter. She knows I adore Tim Curry. And I adore Tim Curry for many reasons. But one of the biggest reasons I adore Tim Curry is because one of my favorite movies of all times ever is Muppet Treasure Island. And I love his depiction of Long John Silver. And I used to teach Treasure Island to students, especially my eighth graders, and we would kind of do a study, but we would also compare and contrast. We would read the original novel, and then we would see the original Disney film mm-hmm. of of, uh, of Treasure Island, and then we would see Muppet Treasure Island, and I would show them Did parts. you know both of those movies are on Disney Plus? Plug for people who aren't sponsoring oh, us. Okay. Hey, Disney Plus. We'll, we, we'll be happy to make... make uh, I mean, I'm already subscribed. I paid for a year, so. Okay. Bye. I knew they have enough backlog that I knew I'd make use of it. <laughs> but anyway, I'm gonna so. going to watch the gummy yes. bears. Anyways. So I love him. And I just adore Tim Curry. Uh, I adore his, I love his voice. He has such an incredible voice. Oh, yes. And of course, I loved him in Clue. I've loved him in so many things. But yes. yeah, I just love him. Yeah. And he does a lot of voice work. So, I mean, There'll be, there'll definitely be things that we cover where he actually is in it. And then we'll have to change up the game a little bit. You'll see how once we eventually get there. Um, But yeah, it's just fun to, he has such a distinctive voice that it's very easy to consider how he would play a role. Because you can just hear it in your head, you know? And by the way. Oh, and also the segment is, is a, is a bit of an homage to. um, Oh, the rewatchables has a, a a section about Danny Trejo and whether like. If he would make it, being in the movie, make it better, a yeah, better movie. Yeah, so so a little little bit of a homage to that also. Yeah. Just a fun little what if. And by the way, the reason too is that we really enjoy talking in our section about voice acting is because all of us really appreciate good voice acting. Not oh, only yes. are we all gamers, so we are familiar with people. Elite gamers. Elite, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that I made my mom say that. <laughs> Again, yes, my whole thesis was on women in video games, but no. So we, so we love, you know, we are familiar with really good, you know, voice acting in video games, and then of course now the girls got me hooked on podcasts, and of course I'm addicted to Critical Role. I'm addicted to Taz. Uh, so and and of course Critical Role. For those of you who don't know, I love all of them, uh, but they're all voice actors, and of many course. of them are in video games. And for example, Ashley Johnson, who plays. Um, Yasha, even she, even Taz Griffin and and Justin have started doing voice acting. Roles, oh, have so. they? Okay. Well, and and Ashley Johnson just got a nominated, got one. Oh, yeah. the, for um, Ellie. Is that wait? What's Last her? Yes, Ellie and Last of Us. And Last mm-hmm. of Us. Anyway, so we appreciate. So when we talk about that, we just I just wanted you guys to know where we're coming oh, from. Oh, um, what is what's the the game that? Um, Laura Bailey. Laura Bailey's going to be in chorus. I'm excited for that. She gets to sing and and do great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Critical role. Y'all are awesome. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no, we we have a healthy appreciation for voice acting in this house. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. Um, wait. Right. Did we? Do, so we now, actual it. overall consensus. Yes. 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 So who would like to go first? Um, oh. I guess I can. All right. Answer the questions. Um. Well, it's just. Oh, okay. Do you recommend it? Yes, of course I recommend it. That has not changed. Score wise, um. It was a uh, heartfelt tale. Uh, the characters were, were good. Uh, the story was very touching. So let me see. I guess I will give it a four point, maybe five. Okay. I would also absolutely recommend it. That has not changed. And I was actually, I think I'm going to go 4.75, which I'm usually more on the lower end of you guys, but... I the only reason that I'm not giving it a perfect five because I almost considered that, but because of the isms, which I feel like should have been fixed. That's so would you say that discussing without. the movie changed your opinion on it even a little bit? Yes, absolutely. That's one of the uh, things yeah. I've written down yeah. that I never asked. Yeah, no, absolutely <laughs> because because again the isms bothered me, some of the tropes, and then again. Well, I don't want to say the laziness, but they could have done a better job with the songs and not put in pop songs yes. and, and, and a few things like that. But as far as animation, oh my gosh, it was gorgeous. Voice acting. And again, there were there were a few better choices they could have done for voice acting. No, but overall, they did a nice job. Great, incredible, compelling story. So heartfelt. Again, made me cry so many times. But, but again, so since it's in that sense, I feel like Totoro outdid it which has been my only five sure so i'm gonna have to give this 4.75 I'm, I'm waffling i think i think i gotta go with you valerie i think i gotta go 4.5 i've been considering a 4.25 because of some of the stuff that i don't like like the music and the yeah, and some of the voice but like at the end of the day it made me cry like two or three times and yeah. that matters a lot to me yeah. <laughs> like the emotion that a movie is able to make can yeah. make me look past some of the negative so 4.5 this is a this is a i mean i still gave all dogs a two <laughs> Sorry. Um, i don't think i heard that <laughs> but it's i mean still watch all dogs go to heaven anyways um yeah this is a great this is a great movie it definitely is not a perfect movie but it's very good it's and gorgeous. and it's also gorgeous. like just what it represents which is like to, uh, a person who who um, cares a whole lot about 2D animation, traditional animation, like making a movie with that and, and not only just mimicking the past, but seeing what that medium can can do when newer stuff that we've discovered is applied to it. Fair. It's just is great. And I want to support people making traditionally animated things um, unless they're just terrible people. Um, yeah, I yeah. Really I just I want to support that, and I want to support those movies. But also, it's not just a matter of principle because I really enjoyed this movie. So mm-hmm. I recommend everyone go to Netflix yes. and watch that stuff. Watch it in a theater if you can. Yeah, if just, it's still there, I don't know. Yeah, I don't it's know. This amazing. is gonna come out in like December. Never mind. So <laughs> it probably won't be. If it is, go see it. But if not, like just watch it on Netflix, please. It's very good. It deserves praise. And it deserves people watching it and and i i think yeah. it also i really love the moral lessons because i feel like it's yeah. very nuanced and what i mean is i feel like this is a story of people some people starting out with selfish purposes and really being isolated in life and not really knowing it because again you know uh 
Jesper was such a selfish person, but he, he had no real connections with anyone because yeah. he was so selfish. Right. But his wanting to get back to that life of luxury ended up him becoming the best version of himself, bringing out Klaus's true character. And then that in, in, in turn helped him develop connections and relationships. I think the, and that's what changed him. I think. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think the comparison to Emperor's new groove is very apt. The more I think about it, mm-hmm. because in a way the, the sort of, the emotional journey for the main character is very similar, Mm -hmm. but I would say Emperor's New Groove is the funnier movie, but the heart is more here in Klaus. Like the the actual heart of that transformation and the believability of it is here in Klaus when that wasn't ever, that wasn't really what the purpose ended up being for the Emperor's New Groove. So that's not really there. Like Emperor's New Groove, hilarious movie and I love it. But it, it is definitely lacking a sense of heart that that even other Disney movies have because it's so laser focused on being hilarious constantly. This has a lot of real, like Klaus has a lot of funny stuff, but that heart, it made me cry like two or three times. Just, yeah. Like the heart is there for this like trash person's <laughs> um, transformation into a decent human being. It's yeah. And, and, and other stuff besides that, it's not purely about him, but obviously he is the main character. Yeah. It's a great movie. Uh, we all highly recommend it. Yes. Highly. Um, please, please watch it in theaters if you can. And if that's no longer available or just not near you, then yeah, watch it on Netflix, please. It's a great Christmas movie. So yes. like, and watch great it. Family movie. That's a great movie. Even if it's not yes. Christmas, but just, Watch it. Do you think when does Frozen Two come out? Is this would this Frozen go Two up? will come out before this goes up? Uh, because it comes, no. I think that comes out at the end of November. But I mean, like awards wise, is this going to go up against Frozen Two? Ooh, probably. Ooh, Ooh please don't give it. I'm sure Frozen Two is fun, but I am, <laughs> I am predicting this is better than Frozen Two. <laughs> I will predict I, that as well. I, I, I want to. I. I'll clarify. I would like to see Frozen Two, and I think I will enjoy it. Yes. But yes, I. I predict this is better I and i hope that have... it wins at the oscars yeah, but who knows if it gets, to, if it gets, it gets even to nominated yes. hopefully yeah. but and, who, I, who and I love frozen but i predict too is i just i don't think you're going to beat the heart in this no i don't think so it's just um, the things that i've heard the earlier reviews i've heard for frozen is that it plays things safe um and this i don't think i'd describe anything that this movie did as necessarily safe because it's in traditional animation which is yeah. already not commercially safe in in the west so no i don't know i i like this movie a whole lot whether or not it's better than frozen 2 ends up being (laughs) um it's a great movie and you should watch it great for this time of year great for any time of year frankly um even if it's not christmas time but i think this should become a holiday classic that people watch um, when they are wanting some christmas time movies you know i'd sure love to see it again yeah all right well um next time we will be watching did you have next time we will be watching a um a russian um not it's not like explicitly christmas but it is called the night before christmas um but we'll we'll see how closely it actually relates to that but we'll be watching that next time so um until then and thank you for listening thank you for listening love y'all bye this has been how's it hold up with danica juarez and jan james 
You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 279-0566. Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening!